Hi everyone, I'm Kristen Howerton, a writer and psychotherapist. And I'm Ruth Powell, an admitted workaholic and self-care Luddite. And you are listening to Selfie, a weekly podcast about women learning to take better care of themselves. We think self-care is important, but it can simultaneously be elusive. We certainly don't lack information about it, but we don't always quite get there. So this podcast is dedicated to exploring different aspects of self-care from the silly to the serious. We're looking at health, relationships, beauty, periods, maybe a touch of the random. We also want to look at the hurdles we face that keep us from caring for ourselves like we should. To submit questions to me or Rue, or to Claire, our beauty expert, or BJ, our resident therapist, join us in our private forum by searching Selfie Podcast Community on Facebook. Hey guys, well today we have a packed episode for you. We are going to be talking about a number of things. Um, Rue and I are going to be talking about post-traumatic stress disorder, which is something that the two of us have both been diagnosed with at different times in our lives. Um, Claire is going to be answering questions about the best moisturizing body oil. BJ is going to be talking about anxiety because she noted that it is the number one topic, mental health topic that comes up in our Facebook group. So she's got some really, really good info on anxiety. But first, Rue and I are going to do a little self-care check-in. Rue, how are things going for you this week? I know last week you kind of did a big reveal about your job and how stressful that has been. How's it all going? Right. So actually, you know, this job is... And, and I don't want to throw around this word lightly, but the the project I have been working around, uh, working on around child predation, has frankly been traumatic. Yeah. <laughs> so, just I, to catch people up really quick, mm. if they didn't listen to last week's episode, you have been going undercover as a part of an initiative with Bark, who you work for, mm-hmm. um, as a young girl to catch um, adult predators online. Right. Right. And so this is, is you know, this is a project that we've been doing, you know, working with law enforcement, identifying predators, you know, resulting in, you know, thankfully arrests, but also hopefully uh, uh, parental awareness. So it's been uh, it's been a lot. And thankfully, I do have, you know, I do work for a company that understands the importance of mental health. And I have um, an understanding boss who said, you have been working so much over the last, you know, extended period of time. Um, and my hours have been crazy because, frankly, predators want to talk at night. Um, so he's offered for me to go on sabbatical, which I am starting. And this is really um, – it's, it's kind of uh, – it's exciting but also a little scary to me because before Bark, like you, I have just freelanced for a million years. So right. So I just never really took time off. Like if I went on vacation, I would bring my laptop or, um, you know, just it it allowed us the – I think freelance allows us the uh, flexibility to work whenever. But then also we kind of have to work whenever because there's no – there's no paid vacation, right? You and, can set uh, your own hours, but you're always working. That's right. That's, <laughs> that's right. Freelance so, life. Um, so even you know the startup world is as such that you know we're always encouraged to take vacation, but of course, um, you know there's still uh, still stuff to ship and and stuff to work on. So I am going to take an entire month and not work. Um, wow, that's so ha- that, I am- that sounds amazing and also like really scary. 
Yes. It's kind of like, oh, no, I have to be alone with my own thoughts. Totally. (laughs) But I'm excited to catch up on all the things that I haven't done, like Mm -hmm. file my taxes. Uh, I'm due for a mammogram. Um, Go to the gym. Eat a vegetable. (laughs) I am am writing a list. I like to do a dragon boat race. um, And there's one coming up. So maybe I'll go train for that. I don't know. I I am actually I would love to start this conversation in our Facebook group, uh, Selfie Podcast Community, because I would love to know, one, if any of you have been on a sabbatical and how that affected you. And two, I would love some ideas for, frankly, just <clears throat> resetting and, and and healing, really. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because I come from, you know, church culture and was married to a pastor for many, many years. And the church that we worked at, um, they rotated staff onto a, onto sabbaticals. I think it was every five years, and they would give the pastors a month off. And I think it was always a, a, a sort of interesting interpersonal journey for people because pastors do tend to be workaholics a bit, you know, throw themselves into because there's that whole idea of like, um, I'm doing this for God, you know, right, I, I can right. always work because it's God's work. I was a pastor's kid. And I mean, I can't I can't tell you how many times I heard that um, in relation to my own father's busy travel and work schedule, you know, well, it's for Jesus, so you can't be upset. Um, but, you know, as I watched friends go through their sabbaticals, it was always really hard for people to, you know, especially those who are kind of driven by work to not know what to do with themselves. Like, do you have those fears as you walk into it? Oh, absolutely. And I've, you know, I've admitted my workaholism here. And I'm not even trying to glorify it. It's just the fact that probably I feel I I take a lot of value, uh, a a lot of value in myself as being a hard worker and being good, good at my job. And, um, and so kind of exploring the other parts of me that I, – I don't want to say my identity has always been wrapped up in my work, but I, if I'm honest with myself, maybe that's the case. Um, yeah. And so I am excited to – I don't know. Like part of me is like, oh, I can declutter. And I don't want to give myself a to-do list, but I definitely want to <laughs> – I definitely want to, you know, think about what will fill me. And, um, you know, is that going to be – Maybe I'll, you know, take some hot yoga classes and read books that are fiction that aren't like I read books, but I read books on how to be a good leader and how right. to be more how to be more productive. And and I um I think I need to learn how to do leisure. I, I yeah. need to learn how to uh, relax a little bit. And and frankly, um, and, and I know we're going to talk about this later, but um, one of the things that um, my therapist has said is that. I am constantly, and, and one of the, the symptoms of, frankly, what I've experienced is that I'm constantly on high alert. And that amount of, um, you know, my body's producing cortisol probably constantly. Yeah. And, you know, I, I just, I want to get to a place where I can kind of manage. I, I also don't want people to think that I'm, um, I feel okay. I feel okay, but I know that I need to just, just kind of unpack everything uh, because it's been, kind of nonstop. And I think that it'll allow me to come back to work just kind of stronger and healthier. And um, even my therapist suggested like, I need to get I need a, a routine. I need a routine. Because frankly, I have been in 
even in relationships with predators uh, over, you know, but as a as a 15 year old or as an 11 year old mm-hmm. and, and, and really kind of just unpacking all of that, too, yeah. is it feels like it's going to be a lot of hard work, <laughs> you know, yeah. Um, and so maybe I'm sharing too much here. Now I feel like I'm oversharing. But the point is, I am looking forward to it. I want to do well at healing. Is that my Enneagram 3 coming out? Can yes, I get I'm, I'm going to nail this sabbatical. I'm going to be the best <laughs> sabbaticaler ever. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mean, I had a – I was – I had to get a lab work done with my doctor and she was like, hey, everything came back normal. I'm like, normal or like really good? She's like, no, 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 there's, it's, it's normal or it's abnormal. I'm like, yeah, but like on the really good side of normal. And she's like, I don't know what you're saying. I'm like, like why do I Like if you were going to grade me between A and that's F, right. like did that, I get an A? That's right. I mean, do I like gold stars? And she's like, no, this, this is, this is pass fail. I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> So that is something I'm actually excited to share this with you guys because, you know, next time we chat, I'll be a week into my sabbatical, I think, and, um, you know, we'll see how I'm doing. So, but yes, I'll take as many ideas as you guys have. I'd love to hear experiences. um, And I might, I might need a little support because I'm frankly, I'm a little nervous about it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm so glad that they are giving this to you. I mean, that is a huge gift. And it says a lot about the people you work for that, you know, they, they're concerned about your self care and recognize that you've, you know, you've really put yourself out there for them and for the, you know, for the benefit of parents and children worldwide. But um, I'm, I'm glad that they are recognizing like, hey, she probably needs a break because this was really intense. Yeah, I mean, my, my boss is great. He's a, he's a CEO. He gets it. He suggested it. And I kind of went, are you sure? Is this, is this a trap? Um, and it's <laughs> not. So I'm, I'm, yeah. I, I'm excited. But, but, but how about you? How's your self-care doing? Um, it's been okay. It's funny because, you know, you were talking about how you tend to, when you have a break, just think of the ways you're going to fill your time. And so last week, my kids had what is referred to out here as ski week, which is the most absurd. It's not spring break. (laughs) We also have spring break. But my particular school district, which is actually, it's funny, it's two towns together is my school district. And there's a really rich town. And then there's like a middle class town. And we live in the middle class town. (laughs) But we, because we share the school district with the really, really rich town, Um, we get their calendar items. So there's a ski week. I've never, ever taken my children skiing during ski week. To me, it's more of a week of like, oh, crap, I don't have any childcare this week. Right, (laughs) right. Please, mom. Please be less loud this week. Totally. Yeah. Like, (laughs) we're not going skiing. Most people at our school are not going skiing. But anyway, so the way that my custody kind of shakes out is um, my ex took them for ski week and I took spring break. Like, okay, you're going to take them ski week. I'm going to take them spring break. Mm. But then what happened was midway through – well, first of all, then I agreed that I would keep the kids till Tuesday of ski week because my ex had something to do. And then midway through ski week, the kids were like, we want to come home. <laughs> Oh, no. Which is what they do, you know, because they live with me pretty much full time. So dad's house is not quite, it's not quite equipped for four children, right? Like right. it's more of a, you know, it's a place they, you know, they they do overnights there, but not that many. And it's not, it wouldn't work full time. 
It doesn't feel like home to them. It doesn't feel like home. And he had to work, which is fine. You know, he wasn't able to just take off and take them on a trip. Um, So, you know, he's just doing his normal work routine. So they're just bored in a house that's too small for them. And um, so anyway, I, you know, I'm like, fine, just come back home. You know, so it's like, I thought that I was going to have this whole week off. And instead, I ended up caving and having the kids come back home. And then I, because I had the week off, rather than filling it with nice things, I filled it with doctor's appointments. So I literally had four doctor's appointments in four days. Uh, how many of them were like boob pokes? One, one was mammogram. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. Yes, which is not fun. And I also, and I've talked about this on the show before. I just have a lot of. I get up in my feels about my mammogram because um, I, well, I don't get a passing grade. <laughs> Let's just right. say <laughs> right. I'm like getting a C in my mammograms consistently. So I keep having to come back for repeats. Like I've, I've never just gotten the like cool come back in a year like a normal woman it's always like eh, that's weird actually may i may i speak to the younger set i think that there's this idea if you are my age or younger you know 37 below that maybe it's not really something you have to think about until you're in your 40s right however i have to go for mammograms and uh, breast ultrasounds yearly now because um you know i had that thing like i I felt a lump in my early 30s Mm -hmm. and i went and i kept going back and they kept saying there's a box that says this probably not cancer same and i was like yep cool that qualifier sucks i don't like the word probably right there Yeah, and so it turns out, like, my breasts just make tumors, and that's what they yeah. do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm also really, like, small-chested, so I just assume that, like, my breasts now are, like, at least 10% tumors, which is really bizarre. So because of um, family history with cancer and because I have really uh, dense breast tissue, yep. I've actually I'm, – I'm now a patient um, at – I'm also – I'm now considered a high-risk patient right. at, um, at a breast cancer center. Yep. So I had to go through all of the um, – um, genetic testing and it was it, it's stressful it's very stressful it's just, i did the genetic testing and thankfully um i don't have like i i did not test like positive for bro- the brocos or, or, or anything like that but i still have to go and i still have to get i say it feels like getting your breast squashed in between elevator doors oh yeah um yeah and but i think what's what's interesting is is that a lot of women my age just don't do it. And you just, you have to check your breasts. If you feel a little lump, just go. It's just better to be safe than sorry. Um, and, you know, the risk of breast cancer under the age of 40 is obviously a lot slimmer than, say, after m- menopause. But still, no one's going to advocate for your body but you. And it's just something that I, you know, when I felt the lump and then the second lump and the third lump, I was like, eh, one doctor was like, eh, it's probably fine. But, um, you know, I had a, a loved one who's who's dealt with breast cancer say, absolutely not. You need to go see a specialist. You need yeah. to go, you know, get the things done. And and so I did. And there was like, you know, a, a, a specific week that I got felt up a lot by multiple people. I mean, wasn't wasn't my worst Thursday night. Um, but <laughs> the, the, the point is, I, I don't mean to sound preachy, but yeah. even if you're under 40, Get get your breast checked. It's, mm-hmm. it's super important. 
No, I completely agree. And as much as I hate and I really hate going um, because I get, you know, I have generalized anxiety disorder like that, you know, that is a diagnosis that I have lived with for a very long time. And so I get really worked up before the appointments because I start projecting that this is going to be today's the day, today's diagnosis day, today's the day that I learned that my children will be orphaned. You know, I really work myself up um, a lot. Um, So I actually had like four rather stressful appointments where I was just having diagnostic stuff done. Um, And I worked myself up a lot. (laughs) Let's just say I worked myself up a whole lot. Um, But, you know, I was very scared and concerned. And I don't think any of the doctors involved were, if that makes sense. Like, I, you know, I was Google diagnosing myself for things. And that's just that's a thing that it's funny, because that that is a thing that I deal with. And it's interesting because when I talk about it, like I made a joke on Twitter. I said, you know, I went to a mammogram and, you know, I said that, you know, the doctor was like, you know, we really don't think it's cancer. We really don't want you to worry. We'll see you back in three months, but really don't worry. And then me, I'm like, you know, writing letters for my children at their graduation oh, in my absence. <laughs> well, but the funny thing is, I was trying to make a joke about my anxiety because I, I have to joke about it. I mean, right. you know, I, I this is something I live with. It is that sort of gallows humor. You know, I Sarah James and I used to joke each other all the time. Like she would say, you know, she would say something and I'd be like, yeah, you're probably going to die from that. You know, it's just like you end up just having this sort of, you know, dark sense of humor around what your brain does because you realize how absurd it is. Um, But so many people responded to that tweet with like, oh, my gosh, get a second opinion or, oh, my God, this, you know, I can take a look at it. I'm a nurse or all these like ways to fix it. Right. And I had to kind of explain to people like, guys, this is an inside job for me. Like all of the, you know, things in the world that I could do are not going to call my anxiety if I don't work on my own anxiety, right? Sure, like, sure. This isn't about me needing more tests. This is about me needing to know that I've seen multiple doctors looking at all the same thing. And if a doctor says don't worry, then I should actually not worry. Right. Well, I mean, I think that's very self-aware of you. I do want to point out that the person that was like, hey, I'm an expert on boobs sounds like a frat boy. So just maybe, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Maybe block that one. Yeah, there was an adult <laughs> male who wanted to come give me an exam. Is that weird? No, no, no. I think it's fine. Okay. Was he also, ha- did he also happen to be your Uber Eats delivery guy? Because he was. That's- he was. Oh, um, cool. So anyway, yes, my my ski week, my week that I was going to take off and, you know, have my little sabbatical was just kind of a disaster. But, you know, but gold, gold star for getting your stuff done. Gold star for getting that. But maybe a black mark for not doing anything relaxing. No, I know. I did nothing. I did zero things relaxing. Okay, well, I mean, what do we do? Do we split the difference? Is that a passing grade? (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to give myself a B minus. Yeah, okay. That's fair. That's fair. (laughs) All right. What do you have for two thumbs up this week? Okay, one is I'm really going to lean into being a millennial cusper and say, I love TikTok like a tiny child. (laughs) I love it. I love it so much. It's better than Instagram. It's better than Twitter. It's better than Pinterest. All I want to do is sit and watch TikTok. You are so young. No, but you don't understand. (laughs) It is 
so funny. And I don't even mean just like, and there's also some, some uh, frankly, some highbrow stuff on there as well. There yeah, are there therap- is some funny stuff there are, on there. There, there. there are therapists on there. There are doctors that are like encouraging kids that are going through medical school. There's also just like, it's also just like a really, I think, I think it's like a really fun expression of creativity. Well, you there do need one- to, let's take a second, explain TikTok for those. Uh, I mean, because I honestly probably wouldn't know what it was if I didn't have teenagers. Okay. So TikTok is basically, it's a social media platform. It used to be called Musical.ly. Yeah, which is, yes. And so this is just, it's just video. And people sometimes like sing or dance or they do little skits or they do like relatable like just, it's, it's super, it's super cute. It's super fun. And there's some weird stuff on there that like, like I don't let my kids have it, but we'll look at TikTok on my phone and then I'll download the really funny ones that I think they would enjoy. And I, I text it to them. So, um, but there is one right now that I, I mean, honestly, like I know that tweens and teens get such a bad rap, but I think they are super fun and hysterical and I love raising tweens and we have great conversations. Um, but t- there's this one uh, series of TikToks right now and I really hope they don't get in trouble. But they're doing little uh, like, uh, it, basically they're doing episodes of The Office, but instead of The Office, it's a bunch of teens that work at Subway. <laughs> and it is so funny it is so funny and like so clever and cute and i i mean i think it's great there are your like there are fashion influencers on there and stuff too but um i will sit now granted i will do this this has been tiktok has been my self-care lately which i know is not necessarily the best but i will sit in bed and just scroll through and you will hear me just giggling like every 30 seconds so funny it's so funny now do you create content on tiktok also um, well, this is how I know I'm old, because remember when people are like, oh, I have an Instagram account, but I don't really post anything. I, I just like looking. Yes. And you're always like, okay, that's weird. Uh, that's me now. Okay. I'm like, yeah, but I have, uh, I have done a couple TikToks with my daughters, but I, I obviously- I have seen those, which are adorable. I don't make those public right. because, you know, the stuff I've been, I've, I've gone through at this point, um, but we, we will make, we will make some fun stuff. And I actually- uh, I, I found that a couple people in like the influencer space that you and I know that have been historically uh, bloggers have created some fun things too. So oh, that's it's so funny. It's we're, I'm definitely one of the olds on there, but yep. it is just so. You know what I'll do is I will uh, I will drop just a couple of the really funny ones that I think just make me laugh uh, in the selfie podcast community group. Do and, it, yes. And if you guys all hate it, then I will stop doing it. But uh, <laughs> it is it is it has brought me so much joy. Well, I do think TikTok has transitioned. I mean, initially, musically, it really when it was musically, it was really lip syncing. Like that's yes. all it was. It was a lot of kids lip syncing and doing like these little dances or like moving their camera around. But right. I feel like it has transitioned to almost the new Vine. If yes. people remember Vine, and I loved Vine. Yeah, Vine I, was fun. But TikTok also, it's like you can use the same. Audio, so it's like yeah. people will do different different takes on stuff. It's it just, it is just so much fun. And I, the people that like, I feel like it's like an underground community where among adults, where I'm like, hey, do you like TikTok? And if they say yes, then I know I have someone else to just text TikToks <laughs> to. So um, I might, I might just text you a couple. And if you just start giving me thumbs down emojis, then I will, I will stop, Kristen. Well, I'm actually thinking in my head because I have not, I haven't, I have an account. I don't think I've, I think I've posted a video five years ago. Um, but I'm not I'm obviously not following the right people so what I'm going to do is I'm just going to go find your account and follow everyone you follow (laughs) I or honestly just like 
give my phone number to your kids and then they and I will just share TikToks. Like we don't <laughs> we don't need you to be the middleman here. <laughs> uh, why are you leaving me out? Uh yeah. Anyway, I will I will send you I will send you some some of the the greatest hits and you tell me what you think. Okay, good. Uh, my other recommendation is this book. It is not. It is nonfiction, but it is a book that I go back to over and over again. I'm just such a big fan of Gretchen Rubin. Yeah, it's called. It's called Better Than Before. And I am the kind of person that, like, if I have a habit that I want to make or a habit that I want to break, um, uh, she just has such great practical advice. She also, she and her sister also have a a, a podcast called uh, Happier. But the book is called Better Than Before. It has been a book that I reference reg reference regularly over the years. I've recommended it to a lot of people over the years. I keep losing my copy because I give it to someone and I have to buy a new oh, one. Wow! So I think it's just such a wonderful book. And it there are so many ideas that it, you don't have to ascribe to all of them to like get value out of it. You can go, oh, this is one thing that'll work for me. Or this is another tactic that'll definitely work for me. And kind of, you know, take what you need and discard the rest. So I'm, I'm super into that book. Okay, I've got to get this because I love Gretchen. I know her. We actually have the same editor. Um, oh. But I have not read that one. I've read no, it's, her other books, but not that one specifically. It is my favorite of her books. Okay. I think it is, I, I think, I think it is her best of her books, actually. Really? Yeah. I'm actually mm-hmm. really excited to read this. She's so smart and just so insightful. Yes, she's she's really she's really cool and she's she uh, really knows herself well, which I yes. like. You know what I mean? Like she's yep. just really she knows what she is and she knows what she isn't, and she just kind of she's unapologetically herself, which I appreciate. Because um, usually when you say someone's unapologetically herself, you're talking about someone who's like really abrasive and is mean to people. <laughs> and, right. And she's not that way. She's like unapologetically like I don't know is quirky. I, I hope quirky is not a bad word, but she's unapologetically like just just herself, which I really like. That's um, awesome. How about you? What are your two thumbs up this week? Okay, well, my first one is related to I I am on a mission to create the very best charcuterie board. Like I'm obsessed with charcuterie <laughs> boards. <laughs> and so is India. And it's really funny. My daughter, India, she's 13. She would never eat pretty much 99% of the items that go on a charcuterie board. Like, yeah, she isn't would, her diet like mostly beige? She's on the beige diet. Yeah, she's got on it, a strict beige, beige diet. So she would she would maybe eat a cube of cheddar cheese, which I probably honestly wouldn't put on a charcuterie board because I'm a snob. <laughs> <laughs> like, we're going to go brie and gouda, right? But yeah, but, manchego only. Yeah. But she's and she's funny, too. She really likes doing charcuterie boards. And she really likes doing um, cocktails, which maybe I shouldn't admit, but she doesn't drink them at all. But she, she just, can- just, I think she Aww. likes, I like to entertain and I think she sees me entertaining and she sees what people gravitate to or what they effuse over. And so she's like, I, I understand that charcuterie boards and cocktails are like, you know, the, the top entertaining, like... <laughs> So, yeah, honestly, they're like pop tarts and Gatorade for kids. Yes, exactly. Or like, or she, like t- Totino rolls. Yeah. yeah, exactly. They're the they're they're the pizza rolls of our generation. <laughs> they totally are. And I think she just like she wants to be a master entertainer. So she keeps talking about how she wants to learn to make cocktails. But anyway, Aww. so the two of us are constantly sending each other charcuterie boards on Instagram. Like I'll see an amazing one and I'll send it to her and vice versa. I actually follow a few <laughs> charcuterie accounts. What? That is not a thing. Thing. It is. It is. I'll tell you who's really good at them is Shauna Nequist. If you, I don't know oh, if you know her, yes, but she's know her. really good at them. Um, but anyway, so I'm so I've always been looking for the right thing to put the charcuterie on, and I really liked that whole like wood look, like the rustic mm. piece of wood look. But you don't want to put charcuterie on just any old piece of wood because 
then you're, it's kind of like a petri dish, right? Like yeah, yeah, they're they're porous, and yeah, you know, you if you had raw chicken it. on them, yeah. Right. So I discovered this. Um, charcuterie board that I'm in love with that you can cut on as well. It's called Fab Slabs. And Ooh. it's actually a Australian company. Um, but they make they they say it's the most hygienic cutting cutting board in the world. But they're these beautiful wood boards. Um, they're like kiln dried and they look very like artisanal. I don't know how to explain it. You know what I'm saying? Like they look yeah. very unique. Um, just wood grain through and they have all different sizes. They have like rectangles, they have circles. So anyway, I am now obsessed with my fab slab cutting board for my charcuterie boards. Fun fact, that's also the nickname for my thighs. So I have a <laughs> fab slab. I love it. Yes. <laughs> they call it um they have a really big one they call a grazing platter, which I love the name of. Ooh, yeah, right? that is cool. Who doesn't want a, a a grazing platter. I will say, I, I've said before, I'm terrible at cooking, but uh, with these kind with charcuterie boards, you don't have to cook. No, so it's just presentation. I, right. So I actually, it's one thing that I, I do okay at. I made a nice one for a debate night because, you know, for me, debate nights are my Super Bowl. So I will, <laughs> uh, maybe I'll send you a picture and you and India can rate it for me. Do it. Oh my gosh. We'll, re- we'll give it a grade. We'll see. <laughs> Pass fail. <laughs> it's just pass fail. You, you achieved a charcuterie board. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> What's um, your other then, two thumbs up? Um, my other two thumbs up is th- there is this company. So, you know, my kids are teenagers. Everyone's frustrated with their skin, which, you sure. know, that that is the thing for teenagers. Um, so I found a really great brand because that's what like I've struggled to find a clean kind of like, you know, environmentally friendly treatment for like acne prone skin, right? It's kind sure. of hard to find. So I found this company called Clear Stem um, and they are like clean, but their stuff is addressed for problem skin. So they have this vitamin scrub that the kids have been using that I like so much that I have been stealing from them. Ooh. But it's like, it's one of those scrubby scrubs, you know what I mean? Like it, you can feel it. Oh, kind of like wh- how we always all use the St. Ives apricot for years and years and years. Oh my gosh, it is literally the St. Ives, but like nicer and better and Aww. less, like with less chemicals. Right. <laughs> it is. It's just like that. So my kids right. love it because it feels like it's like cleaning their skin right off, you know? Well, it's funny because I am not super green for myself. Like my deodorant has all the aluminum in it, but. <laughs> Because my kids haven't experienced all that yet. I'm like, oh, here's your green skincare and your uh, aluminum-free deodorant. Oh, totally. While, while mom's going to just slap some chemicals on her face. So <laughs> that's that's currently, the that's currently the I guess, the compromise. I don't know. Baby steps. Well, but I feel like kids, like younger kids, they can get away with the like – because my kids are all on natural deodorant too – and then that's not. Then that works fine for them. I feel like if I use if I use natural deodorant like right now, my body would just riot. So I am uh, I am I'm staying with like I don't know Secret or Dove or wh- whatever it is that I uh, keep on my nightstand. My thing is I use natural all winter because I'm not sweating that much. Oh, that's smart. Yeah, and that's then in smart. the summer months I will switch to regular because my house does not have air conditioning. Right. Well, that's but that's common for the houses in your area. It is, but right? I mean, yeah. it does yeah. get real hot in my house. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I'm sweating and angry for half of the summer, like just rage, <laughs> like hot rage. 
We're going to take a quick break to talk about one of our sponsors. I have talked about my use of CBD quite a bit on this show. Claire is also an avid user. We have both found it helpful with our anxiety and with sleep. Claire has found it to be helpful with one of her children as well. CBD has a ton of benefits. Our bodies already make cannabinoids and CBD helps us naturally balance that within our body. But it's important to note that not all CBD is created equal. There's a great company called Hemp Fusion that creates a CBD that also contains omegas and also contains terpenes. These things blended together help you feel even better. They do this because CBD works best for your body when it's combined with these other nutrients. Their specific blend of natural ingredients helps specifically with stress, with sleep, and with energy. I don't know about you guys, but those are three things I am always needing help with. You can find Hemp Fusion online, and you can also find it at natural product retailers near you. It ships anywhere in the U.S. As a reminder, THC-free CBD is legal across the U.S. So, you can use the promo code SELFIE for 20% off your first order of Hemp Fusion with free shipping at hempfusion.com. Again, that's promo code SELFIE to get 20% off your first order. Okay, time for a listener question for Claire. So Claire, we had someone asking for a moisturizing body oil that isn't too spendy. This is hard because I have a lot of favorites. Yeah. And I'm going to share a couple. I'll give like a higher price point and a lower price point. So starting with a lower price point, um, I actually use coconut oil for myself. Yeah. But um, not everyone wants to use the same like the food oil that they cook with to put on their body, which I get. So there's a really great brand by All Good. Um, They're organic and it is a coconut oil base Mm -hmm. and it comes in a few different scents. Um, My favorite being lavender. Of course. And it's it's really inexpensive. You get um, a really big jar of it for under $17. You can get it. Now, I have a question though. What's the consistency? Is it that kind of Crisco? Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's hard for me. I prefer it. Okay. I don't know why. I kind of think I'm getting more bang for my buck. Yeah, that's true. And it lasts me It does last. Also, the key is, and I have to like really drive this home, Mm -hmm. you have to put oil on when your skin is damp. If you're putting dry mm. or you're putting oil onto dry skin, okay. it's not really going anywhere. Got it. It's treating the top of our skin, but it's not really absorbing. Got it. So the best is to like, as soon as you get out of the shower yep. or the bathtub, mm-hmm. try not to dry off. Yes. Try to kind of just like dab. Yes. And then spray the oil. Or with this, when I was from All Good, um, it kind of feels like the cooking oil that we yep. cook with. Get a little bit in our hands. We warm it up. It starts to emulsify. Uh-huh. And then we can spread it. Okay. If you don't want to work that hard, yes, Honest Company has a really great um, spray body oil. It's the Glow On Body Oil. It's about the same price, $17.99. And you can find this on Amazon, I'm sure, too. But the higher price point one is by Earth Love Cosmetics called Glowing Places. It's um, their body oil with benefits. It smells like a day spa. I love this one. And I feel... And it sprays... It has a big spray. It yes. sprays on. It has like a big handle spray. It does. So I use this one um, right as I'm getting out of the shower or bath while I'm standing there because that's the other hard thing about spray oils is they can get on the floor. Yes. And you slip. And then you slip. And you yeah. die. And you yeah. also can use this on your hair. Any oh. of these spray oils, depending on your hair texture, never using at the root, always at the ends. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, this is a double duty. So you can use this on hair, skin, face, nails, all of it. That's a really good one. We'll, we'll link all of these up on selfiepodcast.com. I will say that one um, oil that I am enjoying, and it's not a body oil per se, um, but you put it in the bath. Yes. And then you feel like, yes. you know, it like kind of... Like when you stand up, you're already moisturized. Exactly. Yes. And it's Shea Moisture, which is such a great company. Mm-hmm. They're cheap. It's $10. It's available at Target. But they're coconut and hibiscus. 
bath body and massage oil. Now, I wouldn't just put this on your legs. No. Because it's thick like a massage it oil. It like, be very slick. But if you pour a little in the bath, mm-hmm. then you don't need to use an oil when you get out. And I will tell you, for parents of biracial kids or oh, African-American yeah. kids who... Which we both are. Yep. And, you know, I can yell at them all day to put lotion uh-huh. on. But if you just put oil in the bathtub, yes. you eliminate the conversation. It's so true. And they're moisturized. It's so true. And if with summer coming up, a lot of short wearing uh-huh. might be good to have in the in the pantry. Yeah. Get the ash. Yeah. Get the ash Get out. The ash out. <laughs> all right. Let's hear from BJ. So it's official. The number one topic of conversation among the people in our audience um, is anxiety. Everybody wants to know why we have anxiety, why it's suddenly such a thing, if indeed it's sudden, um, what to do about it. I've tried everything, and I don't believe there's anything to do about it anymore. <laughs> that's that's not my thoughts. That's some of the thoughts that I'm getting from people. Um, it is a tough topic. It is a tough thing to deal with. Um, so what I want to do is, over the next few weeks... And I won't necessarily do it in consecutive order, but we may talk about some other things in between. But I'm going to begin to just talk about anxiety and see if we can't address your concerns and your questions and come to understand it a little bit better. Um, And so today I want to talk about anxiety in relationships. I know most of you are really interested in that feeling you have when you wake up in the morning and there's that pit in your stomach and you don't even know what it means or why you're anxious. And we will get to some of that, but I kind of want to talk about how the brain works first, because as you begin to understand that part of it, it makes the other parts make more sense. So I want to tell you about what your brain does with anxiety. Have you, let's just imagine you have a new friend it's still, you're still establishing the relationship. You're not completely secure with this friend yet. You don't quite know. Um, you're not past that fear of when they get to really know me, they may not really like me thing that some of us do. And, um, and you really like this person. You want them to be your friend. You really are enjoying the time together, but you still just feel that insecurity about it. And so, you talk to her or you text her and she doesn't reply right away. So you get a little anxious and start thinking, mm, I knew it was too good to be true. It's going away. She didn't really like me after all. And so you try not to be too needy. So you don't text back. A whole day passes and she never responds to your text. Now you're convinced. Oh, gosh. I think I actually did something to to scare her away. What did I do? Okay. So then you think, okay, I'm just going to send another text just to see what happens. So it's middle of the afternoon. You send her a text. Hey, just thinking about you. Would love to get together this weekend. Let me know how you're doing. Silence. Nothing. Now you're convinced. So now your brain goes to, okay, when was the last time I talked to her? Oh, oh my gosh, I know what it is. It was when I said that thing about so-and-so and and she thinks I'm a mean gossip. Oh, I I shouldn't have ever said anything. I should have kept that to myself. I should have known. Now she thinks I'm a bad person and she doesn't want to be my friend anymore. And the whole afternoon you spend 
and your brain gives you 15 circumstantial pieces of evidence to support the theory that you have now a friend offended your new friend and she wants nothing to do with you and you're never going to hear from her again. And now you're trying to figure out what am I going to do when I run into her at that thing next weekend, because she's going to be there and everyone's going to know that we're not friends anymore. And I don't even know why we're not friends anymore. And is there something I can do? Do I need to sit down and write her a letter? You sit down and write an email and you're, you edit it like four times trying to figure out how to apologize in the right way without sounding crazy. And all of a sudden your phone dings and you look and it's her. Oh, sorry. I went to the gym and my phone was in my locker and I ran into a friend and we got to talking. We literally stood in the middle of the gym and talked for like an hour. I didn't even get my workout finished. I'd love to do something this weekend. Where do you want to go? What time? When? What night? All right. Raise your hand if you've lived out that scenario in some way or another. Let me tell you what happens in your brain in that scenario. So we have this part of our brain called the amygdala. Most of you have heard of it. It's the part of the brain where that's um, not fully developed in a lot of ways. It's the part of the brain that it's where the frontal lobe lives. It's the part our teenagers haven't figured out what to do with yet because it hasn't fully developed for them. Inside the amygdala, there's another part of the brain that is designed for the sole purpose of keeping us safe. It is designed to constantly assess for worst case scenarios. In the face of anxiety, that part of the brain starts making shit up. <laughs> it literally writes all those stories. It gathers all that evidence because it has perceived a threat. And because that part of the brain needs to be online all the time, if I find myself in a desolate part of town and my car breaks down and my phone battery is dying, I need my brain to be assessing for worst case scenarios to keep me safe. Since it needs to be online to do that all the time, that part of the brain never has adapted the way other parts of our brain do. And so when anxiety PTSD, other forms of trauma are introduced to that part of the brain, it goes a little haywire. It goes into what we call a hypervigilant state. And it starts looking for us a threat in everything. The moment any perception of threat arises, such as the situation with the friend, that part of the brain starts writing stories. And the brain rewards those stories the more negative and connected to a reason to be afraid, they are. That part of the brain can't tell the difference between a real threat and a perceived one. But let me tell you, the stories it writes feel so true and so real when we're in that anxious or traumatized state. So, one of the ways we can address that kind of anxiety is to bring our cognition back online. So what happens in that moment, our body reacts to anxiety before our brains do. We feel it. If you stop and think about it, and the next time you feel anxious, do a little body scan and notice where you feel it. Is it in your gut, just below your sternum? 
Is it in your chest? Is your breath short? Are you breathing from your chest instead of your diaphragm? Your body knows what you are experiencing emotionally long before your brain registers what it is. Long before that part of the amygdala even jumps in, our brains take in billions of bits of information every second. And so if you, here's how, here's, I'm going to give you a visual. So if you imagine sitting down in the floor, pulling your knees to your chest and putting your head down, wrap your arms around your knees and pull them tight. And now that little lump that you've created with your body represents your brain. If you take your right hand and you drop it down by your right foot with the palm up, that's the front lower right lobe of your brain where trauma lives. We all have trauma. So when we have anxiety that's not attached to anything real, it's a reaction to trauma. The brain, that part of the brain, that lobe in the front right lower part of the brain, holds on to trauma. Every trauma that's ever happened to you, big T, little t, all of it. It's what we call the trauma trap. It holds it there. Now, if you take your left hand and you raise it up like you're going to swear on a Bible, and you put it just behind, just outside of your peripheral vision to the left of your head, that's where your cognition lives. That's where the part of your brain that makes sense of things and puts words to things is what happens in that anxiety is like a sheet comes up and blocks those two parts of the brain from communicating with each other. The lower right lobe where your right hand is holding that trauma or that anxiety releases the anxiety. And internally, the message is it's happening. It's happening. You're being abandoned just like you were when you were little. This friend doesn't have any, want anything to do with you because she knows the truth. She knows you're not worth having friends. She's going to leave you just like your parents did, or she's going to leave you just like your first boyfriend did, or whatever the story is. It, it starts talking as though you are living the experience that created that anxiety to begin with. Because that block is there, it can't communicate with the cognitive part of the brain that can go, whoa, 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 dude, this is not real. You're imagining this threat. You have no way of knowing what she's doing or where she's at or what she's thinking. The cognitive brain can make logical sense of these things and go, dude, we don't, you, she may be at work. She may be in an, an important conversation with her boss. She may be taking a nap. She could be anywhere. She could be riding a long bike ride and didn't take her phone with her. You can reason those things out in the cognition in ways that that traumatized and anxious brain can't. So what we have to do is let our body bring us back into regulation. So it's our central nervous system that's gotten into this hyperactive state. And if we'll listen to our bodies until we can get those two parts of the brain to talk to each other, the body can regulate us. So you breathe. There's a process called square breathing. You can go to YouTube and there's dozens of videos demonstrating it. It's also called box breathing that instantly lowers heart rate. It, it regulates the central nervous system and calms the brain. There's also an app that I'm happy to share with you guys that um, was designed. It's called State 
breathing app. And it was designed by um, Sanford University and Huberman Labs and another organization um, that's doing a study on breath work with athletes, but the study has gone to expand breath work in everyone. And they're learning all kinds of amazing things. And they've created an app that adapts its algorithms to your sleep patterns, to your awake patterns. You use it to regulate your central nervous system. It's amazing. It's got a monthly fee of like $3.99 worth every penny and then some. Um, especially if you have trouble sleeping because of anxiety, because there is a portion of it that you use. And at, over time, as it adapts to your algorithms, it will help you regulate into sleep. I use it when I travel because I never sleep well when I travel. And um, I sleep great at home, so I haven't used it on a regular basis. I did when I first got it. But when I travel, especially in altitudes, I it's a crapshoot whether I'm going to sleep at all. And I've found that this app will give me the sleep that I need. So it's worth looking into. But the breath work will bring you back into your body. It will begin to calm that part of the brain that's making up the stories. And then your cognition will come forward. It will come right into your peripheral vision where it can speak truth into what's going on and it will settle down that part of the brain. That's your homework for this week. See if you can figure out how to settle down your anxiety when it shows up and starts making up stories. Thanks guys. Have a great week. All right. Thank you, BJ. Well, I know that anxiety is something that a lot of folks in the um, selfie podcast group are dealing with. It is something that I have dealt with for most of my adult life. Um, but Rue and I actually wanted to talk a little bit about post-traumatic stress disorder, which is something that both Rue and I um, have been diagnosed with at different points in our life. Um, and I just want to give a caveat that we are going to be talking um, a bit about child sexual abuse in this segment. So if that is triggering for you, um, and if you're not in a good place to listen to that, you might um, want to skip this segment. Mm. Um, so, you know, I I have been diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder um, after being in the Haiti earthquake. Right. I also was not diagnosed with this, but I do believe that I have some post-traumatic stress um, from a string of miscarriages that I had in the course of about two years. And then I know, Rue, that you have also been diagnosed with it um, at different points in your life. Yes. And so, so most recently was, you know, is, is during this, you know, a predator project that I've been working on. And, um, I, I don't want anyone to think that, uh, you know, the company that I work for was cavalier about my mental health at all. That's all my safety and my, uh, my mental health has always been paramount to them. Um, but I knew the score going in. I knew that, um, the work that I was going to do was not going to be without cost. And I would still do it a hundred times over again. But the fact of the matter is I have to kind of, get my get myself sorted now. And and so, you know, there is some trauma that comes along with um, seeing child sex abuse material and, and seeing images of exploited children and certainly uh, speaking with perpetrators and, and speaking in a um, maybe even in a in a like in a kind way to them. I, I don't think it's far fetched to say that I had to essentially be in relationships with uh, people who are willing to abuse children. So, you know, my, my personas had to be. And so I, I absorbed a lot of that, you know, and I absorbed some abuse and some verbal abuse and frankly, you know, death threats. And those are the things now that I am kind of working to working to deal with. But 
um, you know, some of the symptoms of PTSD include uh, hypervigilance, which is just kind of always being on edge, mm-hmm. always, always uh, thinking that like danger could be afoot. Yeah. Um, and so I actually have had a very hard time just kind of relaxing, even just relaxing my muscles, um, just kind of uh just not being tense and Kristen do you have I mean I, I know there there are different symptoms of PTSD but could you speak to some of the ones that you experienced yeah I mean and and I I want to say this as we dive into this topic I think that there is this sort of misconception about PTSD that you had to have been through something really crazy you know really extreme like you had to have been in a foxhole in a war situation or mm. you know a part of a natural disaster and while that was one of um the things that um gave me some PTSD I I also think it's important to note that you can have PTSD from sustained microaggressions you know you can have PTSD from from any number of things I mean I know people who deal with PTSD revolving around racial incidences I know people who have PTSD revolving around being in relationships with like manipulative people so you know it's not it's not just a, th- a thing that is very extreme or that only happens to veterans. Like a lot of people are walking around with, with post-traumatic stress disorder, I think. Um, but yes, for me, that hypervigilance um, in regards to the earthquake um, looked like and still actually does look like, let's say that I'm um, in an airplane or I'm in a bench seat and someone ha- does that shaky leg thing. Yeah. You know, the shaky yeah. leg thing, like just that nervous shake, which some people do. Um, I will jump out of my skin. Whoa. I'll have to move. I'll have to move or uh, the worst, which I don't like doing because I'm a people pleaser. I'll have to ask them to stop because I will get a fight or flight like I just want to run. Yeah, um, wow. Just from that shaky feeling. I also just get like after the earthquake, I was really funny about – just people being too close to me or just too much. Though I don't know, the way I can explain it is like visual noise, right? Like, so mm. someone's just jumping around next to me, which is super fun when you're parenting toddlers. <laughs> right, right, of course. But, you know, I would just kind of, I would feel that like need to just kind of retreat and like not have any sensory input. So it made me, I think, sensory... Um, more sensory sensitive than I already am, which I already kind of was. Um, but I think for me, the, the the aspect of PTSD that has been so difficult to deal with is that constant feeling of the other shoe's going to drop any minute, right? Like yeah. something bad is going to happen. Um, so when I was, I think I was about 27 when this happened, um, Mark was hit by a car as a pedestrian in front of right. me. Right. Right. And he was thrown 30 feet. He almost died. He broke a lot of things, sustained a head injury. Um, it was really scary. And he spent a month in the hospital, which, you know, you know that you don't spend in the, a month in the hospital in the U.S. unless things are pretty grave because right. they right. want to get you like, out. Yeah. Get out the door. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Put, um, some, put some pressure on it. The bleeding right, will stop eventually. Right. I know you're bleeding. Here's a tampon. Hold it next to it. But um, – <laughs> So, you know, I I have struggled with, you know, since that happened, and then a couple, well, kind of during that time, I had a number of miscarriages, and then the earthquake, I have really struggled with 
waiting for the next bad thing to happen and just thinking that anything horrible could happen. Like the world is just chaos and we're just all waiting for something cataclysmic to happen, right? Wow, yeah. Um, So that has been a real struggle for me. Um, Probably the symptom that is um, most prevalent for me. But I actually, I wanted to read a couple of the symptoms of PTSD just for listeners who might be thinking like, is this something I have? Um, So, you know, what, some of the things people can experience. Um, physical reactions to reminders, which I had kind of talked about, shaky leg, you know, or, you know, if it was it was something in a pool, feeling very stressed around a pool, you know, that kind of a thing. Mm. Um, you can have invasive or upsetting memories. You can have flashbacks, nightmares. Um, but some of the things that you maybe wouldn't associate with PTSD, you can find that you have a loss of interest in your usual interests, like you just aren't as excited or you don't really want to do the things you used to want to do. You can feel numb. You can feel kind of detached, like you're in the presence of other people, but you're kind of floating off in your own space. Um, You can feel like you're not leading a normal life. Like you don't have like a positive outlook of the future. And that one has affected me some too, where I can get a little bit like, well, I, I don't know if I'm still alive in 10 years, you know? Wow. Yeah. Um, Yeah. That's grim. Yeah. You can avoid certain activities, feelings, things that remind you. Um, and then obviously having a hard time remembering parts of the trauma. So, and that's really common too, especially for people who have trauma in childhood, is just like blacking it out and not yeah. remembering. Yeah. Um, but I mean, what are some of the other things that you feel like have clued you in to, to you feeling, you know, post-traumatic stress symptoms? Yeah, well, I think the hypervigilance and just, you know, not being able to really unwind. Um, so I I got a massage and I thought this would be great self-care. And mm-hmm. I, I, I love a massage. And like 30 minutes in, he goes, um, why don't you just start by unclenching your fingers? <gasps> and I went, huh? Oh. He's like, just... I want you to just try to unclench your fingers right now. And so I did. I said, oh, do I seem tense? He goes, no, you don't seem tense. You are tense. Your entire body is tense. I've been working on you for 30 minutes and you have not unclenched. Um, wow. And so I was kind of like, oh, that's, that's you know, that's really interesting. Um, and so, uh, you know, the massage felt great, but I, it, I, I think that was kind of telling for me. Um that was telling for me. And I, this, this might seem silly, but I have, um, hairs on my head that are dark. And then in some of the worst parts of this, um, are gray for an inch and then go back to being dark again. And wild. Uh, the, the, the growth timeline kinds of, kind of lines up with some of the worst parts of it. Um, also I find, and look, uh, I, you know, there are, uh, many, uh, men, uh, in my life that I admire and care for and love. Um, but because all of the perpetrators and predators I dealt with are men, um, I react really poorly to yelling or someone raising their voice. And mm-hmm. even if it's, even if it's reasonable, I, I, uh, I absolutely have a fight or flight response to someone raising their voice at me. Mm. Um, and part of it is, you know, uh, just, just so you know, a lot of these messages that come in to my personas, um, aren't necessarily via text. Sometimes they're video messages or audio messages. And the reason why sometimes perpetrators do that is because they're harder to track. Oh. So, 
um, I would I would get like really just creepy messages or death threats via audio. And, um, you know, I'm like, oh, God, I can't get this voice out of my head. Um, and then so if, you know, for example, I, maybe this is a terrible example. If I'm driving somewhere and I get cut off and someone yells at me, I, I have a really hard time with that right now. Or if someone is just maybe, you know, concerned, you know, you get into a heated argument and someone raises their voice. I, I, I fall apart. You know, I, mm-hmm. I, I absolutely, I curl up into a ball and I cannot, I cannot function well, um, in that regard. So, these are all kind of clues that I am probably just at this moment just hypersensitive um, and I'm hyper vigilant mm-hmm. and I am apparently just, you know, I am I like right now I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm realizing like, oh, I can just kind of let my shoulders relax because my shoulders are all the way up by my ears and there's no reason to be because right. I'm just ta- I'm just talking to my friend Kristen, you know, um, <laughs> but my body is my body is uh, kind of. I don't know. You said they say the body keeps the score, right? Um, well, and- yeah. I mean, there's a book called that. Yeah. Um, that I've I have a number of friends reading and are just raving about it because it's so true. Our body does like so much of this that our brain is like, dude, I can't even freaking deal with this, and our body's like, you know what? I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll clench my jaw. I'll clench my wrists. You know. Right. I have to, I have to get that book because I'm just noticing that. I'm noticing that in myself. And, and yeah. you know, again, um, you know, nightmares. And there's certainly I, I've had to really compartmentalize because, you know, I have uh, kids and, uh, you know, crimes against children are, are really difficult to deal with. Um, so these are these are all things that I'm hoping to kind of, uh, you know, work on during the sabbatical. And even like when I was talking to law enforcement about just different tactics, it's like, you know, let's say, um, you know, I go take a boxing class. Well, that's an entire hour where I can't stew on things because I need to just focus on not getting punched in the face. Yeah. Right. And so just like kind of taking a break from kind of stewing on those things. Um, and, and some of the things that have helped are, are trying to just separate the two. Like I have my regular phone and I have my spy phone. And th- that's great because now I don't have mm-hmm. ter- terrible, terrible material on my regular phone. Um, yep. But but anyway, yeah, the, the PTSD. Uh, oh my gosh, I just thought of this. Um, in the beginning, I had to use an Android device uh, mm. because of the way that I was tracking the, the, the messages that were coming in. And um, it, it would make a certain chime and I'm not used to that. And I went shopping at Target and I was talking to a predator and I went shopping at Target and I was just taking a break from everything. And uh, someone else's Android phone went off. Did and you just jump out of your skin? It was, it was, I, I froze and I, I took a second and I'm holding that like red, that red, uh, you know, shopping basket. And I just start looking, all, I'm like, do I have it with me? I thought I left it at home and I'm checking my handbag and I'm checking my shopping cart and I'm checking my pockets. And I realized just, you know, the guy shopping next to me had a text message come in and I, I, my, my heart was racing. I was like oh, yeah, breathing I heavy. I was, you know, and so that was like, okay, yeah, I'm, this is, this is I, to have that kind of like, you know, Pavlovian response, yeah. I think was, was certainly telling. Well, and I think we do get those clues. Those are our clues that like we have unresolved trauma. I, I was talking earlier in the episode about how this week I had a number of health appointments. And one of the things that I had to have done was a transvaginal ultrasound, mm. um, which is when they stick the wand, you know, up in your vagina right. so that they can get a better look at your ovaries. Um, and when I was going through, I, I had 
seven miscarriages, maybe right. eight. I had a lot of miscarriages before I was able to carry a pregnancy to full term. And it was very, very traumatic for me. Um, but when, when, I was going through that time, they would always give me transvaginal ultrasounds to try to find the heartbeat. And I have so many memories of having those types of ultrasound and then them not finding anything, right? Right. And so I'm not there for, I'm not pregnant. I'm not there to find a heartbeat. I don't want any more children. And yet, you know, the experience of that transvaginal ultrasound when she started, I started crying. And, you know, it was just that like moment of me of like, oh, I've got some work to do here. Like, I have not fully healed from this because just this sense memory and I'm right back, right back in feeling that like, you know, out of control feeling of like, I don't know if I have a living baby still or not, you know? Right. And then just, and then the the disappointment and the mourning and yeah, that's, that's so triggering. Totally. So, you know, I think, you know, just in terms of like what, you know, for listeners who are like, yes, I think I have PTSD. So now what? Right. Um, First of all, physical activity is huge for post-traumatic stress disorder because we don't do hold it in our body. And there is a lot of research that shows that even like really difficult, um, it's something that they call heavy movement, meaning like you're really, you're pushing something, you're punching something, you know, you're kicking something. That kind of like full body movement is really good. So not just like an easy stroll. No, I mean, that's helpful, too. But I Mm. think there is something to that sort of like, you know, almost aggressive movement, if if that's something that your body can handle. Sure. Um, And then there is a therapy called EMDR. Have you ever done EMDR? I have done EMDR. And I, you know, did it um, really to kind of walk through some childhood trauma. And it was intense. It's intense. It was it was intense. To the point where just, you know, this was just my experience, and I I certainly would recommend EMDR, but there was a bit where it kind of had to get worse before I could get better. For sure. Yeah, where I was having like just lots of – I was having a lot of nightmares, and I wasn't sleeping well. So I had asked my therapist, can we just schedule some of these appointments back to back? Like I would rather rather crank up the oven to 600 and bake the cookies in half the time. I know that doesn't make sense, but you know what I mean? Like that's – that's what I needed, and that actually was helpful. But in the like, it was a it was a rough couple of weeks because I was I was sorting through some heavy heavy stuff. But yeah, um, it really opened my eyes to like, uh, frankly, what you mentioned before stuff I had completely had forgotten about. Yeah, and then a memory would come up, and I would say, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! Hold on a second! I just had this memory, and it was a." a traumatic memory and I needed to work my way through it. And so it was EMDR is intense, but in, you know, you know, one woman's opinion, wildly helpful. Yeah, I mean, it is shown to be the most effective therapy for post-traumatic stress disorder. So what EMDR is, it sounds so hooey, but you sit with a therapist and they use some kind of an apparatus to create a sensory experience that moves from the right side of your body to the left. So some EMDR therapists use a light box where you're watching a light move from right to left. Some use buzzers that you hold in your hand that you feel the buzz move from right to left. Which one did your therapist do? I did different ones. I did the buzzing and I did like I used like an iPad and I was following like a bouncing ball. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So oh, and just just so people know what it what it is, it's um eye movement desensitization and rapid re- desensitization. Oh, oh. And reprocessing. Oh, reprocessing. There you go. Right. Um, 
So yeah, it, it sounds really weird, but the science behind it is that it's moving your brain from the right to left hemisphere. So you are processing things with both your right brain and left brain. So it's it's engaging your emotional recall, but it's also engaging your ability to process and think logically, which we oftentimes can't do both at the same time. Well, it's interesting because my therapist kind of re- uh, compared it to like, do you ever have an issue that you don't quite know the answer to and you you sleep on it and you wake up and you're yep. like, okay, yeah, now I know. Yes. And it's kind of like your body naturally does it at night anyway. But I just... Uh, I just remembered I was going through EMDR like five years, five years ago. And you and I were at a conference together and I was, I had just been on the tail end of some EMDR and I was not sleeping well. And I think it was like two in the morning. I texted you and I was like, Kristen, are you awake? I'm having a hard time. (laughs) Yeah. And it was just because, you know, I did that thing where I'm like, I know a therapist. Let me just, let me just text her. (laughs) She's, she's probably at the bar. I'll go cry on her shoulder. (laughs) I probably was awake if it was a conference. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Well, it's so true. I mean, and I will say this about EMDR. This is not a therapy that you should make like a 9am appointment and then go work for the rest of the day. Oh, no. Like you want to do this when you have a whole day clear because but I, you know, I would liken it to, you know, let's say that you had a broken foot. And you're walking around on that broken foot and it hurts all the time kind of low grade, right? But the only way to fix that broken foot is to have a doctor reset it. And the resetting is going to be really hard and really painful. But then you're not going to walk around with that low grade pain anymore. Like that's kind of what EMDR is. It's like it gets in there and fixes it and it's really hard. But then you have so much freedom after. That's such a great analogy. But yeah, to your point, I would – I had started scheduling my EMDR appointments for late in the day. Yes. So I would actually go and like have dinner and then tuck myself in bed because that's exactly. all I had the capacity to do. No, exactly. So yeah, EMDR is a really effective therapy. Obviously, talk therapy is also really good. Um, you know, if you if you if EMDR sounds a little you know kooky, which I, it is for some people. Some people really don't like it, but you know, yeah, so it, it is it is kooky. But like, I mean, is it fair to say it's backed in science? It's completely backed in science. Yeah, yeah. I think what feels kooky is because it can look a little bit like that whole hypnosis trope that we grew up sure, with of like sure. a doctor holding you know a stopwatch in front of you <laughs> that's shifting from right to left. But that is not what is happening. But it can look like that. Yeah. Or feel like that. Yes. Uh, Yes, I I totally understand. Because then you're like, I'm just, you want me to just keep my eye on your big stick while you move it left to right? Okay. I'm paying you how much for this? Exactly. But it actually, yeah, it it was for me and, you know, just totally profoundly helpful. Yeah. Um, And then if anyone is dealing with um, PTSD and just, you know, for whatever reason, you can't afford therapy, you can't get in, there's a really good workbook. Um, it's called the Complex PTSD Workbook, a Mon Body Approach to Regaining Emotional Control. Um, you know, workbooks, there are some amazing workbooks for mental health, I have to say, um, that can be very effective to do on your own for people who, for whatever reason, cannot get into therapy. Um, I, I actually would love that book because I have not 
I have actually not gone through any workbooks ever, but I keep seeing them on like Amazon and Barnes and Noble. So um, I'd love to order that one for me. Yeah. And then I cannot, I have not read this myself, but I did just buy it and I'm looking forward to reading it. But but that book, The Body Keeps the Score, um, Brain, Mind and Body in the Healing of Trauma. I mean, I cannot tell you how many friends have recommended it. It's funny, if you look at Amazon, it has almost 4,000 ratings and Five stars. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'll have to order that today. <laughs> yeah. So um, I'm looking forward to reading that one because I feel like that's going to be like a, oh, come to Jesus for me. Mm. Well, we will continue this conversation in the Selfie Facebook group. If you are experiencing PTSD or even wondering if this is something that you might be dealing with, um, we will start a thread in there and we can talk about it further. Thanks for joining us. Continue the self-care conversation with us over at Instagram at at Selfie Podcast. And make sure to join our uber supportive community that we love on Facebook by searching for Selfie Podcast Community. You can also visit our website to check out the resources we've talked about in each episode at selfiepodcast.com. Make sure to subscribe to Selfie on iTunes so that you can catch up with us next week. Special thanks to Shepherd Audio for providing our music. Take care. Take care.